if you're uh, new this morning, you're kind of coming in towards, well, kind of in the middle of a series. Uh, but it's something we've been uh, developing for, for quite a while. But don't worry, because uh, today is kind of self-contained. So you'll still be able to follow it. You'd, you'll still be able to work out what we're talking about. So don't worry about the fact that you, you might be here for the first time. Um, just to kind of recap, we're doing this, looking at how we look after our souls. And one of the, the, the things that I think that the last 18 months has taught us, even if we didn't know how already, is actually how fragile our souls are. That we, we need to actually look after them. We need to invest some uh, focused intentionality in looking after our souls. Otherwise, uh, our souls disintegrate. We're meant to be integrated. We're meant to have our mind, our will, our emotions, our very being working all together in harmony. But life has a way of putting pressures on uh, that, that kind of cause that to break down. And in earlier sessions of this, this series, we've seen that there's three things that God gives us that help us care for our souls. And uh, Two of those things are our church family. I've talked about that already. Letting nothing come between us. Being part of a body that encourages each other, builds each other up. Uh, the, the, where we are there for others. Not demanding that they're there for us, but we're there for others. Uh, and the second thing that, that we looked at was that the word of God would dwell in us richly. And that means that we let the word of God take up home in us. We, that's where we live. That What the word says is what we live by, not what the world says, not what our intellect says, not what our minds or our emotions say. But the word, what the word of God says is where, what we live by, where we put our trust, where we put our confidence, where we put our faith and where we see the resultant miracles, uh, provision and life of God flowing into our life. But the, the, the third area, which is kind of the one we've been concentrating on, is connection with God himself. Connection with God himself. And uh, where we got to last week is, is understanding that actually we are needy people. We might appear confident. We might look like we've got it all together. We might say things like we've got it all together. We might even run courses telling other people how to get it all together. But the reality is that inside we are needy people. And if that need is not met, what James tells us is we become unstable people. And it, it doesn't happen, uh, it's not noticeable often to ourselves, but something comes along, and it might be a fairly minor thing, but it's the last, last thing to come along, and we get this thing called sinkhole syndrome, where our life just collapses. And, you know, it, it just... The, the ground goes from underneath us because we haven't cared for our, our souls. So just reminding where we got to last week, it's the nature of your soul to need. And that's okay. You were designed with a need. And that you are responsible for looking after your soul. Your husband's not responsible. Your wife's not responsible. Your kids aren't responsible. Uh, your church isn't responsible, I'm not responsible, and despite the fact that, that Cheryl tries to be responsible for everybody, she's not responsible either. We are the keepers of our own souls. 
And the, 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 the summary of all that is that if we are not to be tossed around by life, by circumstances, that our life is good in the good times and bad in the bad times, if we're not to be thrown around like that, so that if we're to be healthy inside, even when the world outside us is unhealthy, then our soul needs a center. It needs an anchor. It needs something to tie to. And that's the answer to our need because that center for our soul is God. There's, there's nothing else. There's nothing that can replace God. There's nothing that can act as a substitute for God. Your career isn't a substitute for God. Your family's not a substitute for God. Your kids aren't a substitute for God. Facebook's definitely not a substitute for God. There's nothing else that can you can center your soul on because your soul is designed to need God. And that that's kind of a you know a strong statement that we kind of don't like absolutes like that these days, do we? We, 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 what, what we, we kind of want these days is some sort of fudge that makes us feel all warm and cuddly, that, that gratifies us, gets us what we want, makes our life turn out perfect and requires no effort from us. And, and it doesn't, doesn't require to us actually walk in faith and belief in anything apart from our own ability. And that's how life's set up these days. And that's why we, we often find ourselves struggling inside when actually our outside looks great but inside we're going I just don't feel right I, I just I, I, there's nothing in my life causing me to feel like this but I just feel not not good inside I'm not happy because we're not centered on God so this morning I want to kind of uh, I'm going to kind of try and do it quickly because uh, I, I felt it was important that we we took the time to flow this morning, flow with the Holy Spirit and share. But how do you actually do that? How do you center your life on God? How do you connect? You see, I, I, can, I can tell you all these things, that this is what you should do. But actually, what you need to know is how do I do it? Because that's, really, that, that's much more helpful. Now, now you understand that we need to do it. And it's really important that we do it. And perhaps that's where the answer lies to how we felt so rubbish about so many things about our life. The, the next question is, actually, how do you do it? Well, in a sense, it's those three things. Letting the word of God dwell in you richly. Connecting, being part of a body. But also, it's this connection with God. So how do we do that connection with God? How do we get our soul to connect with God. Inside you, you're not just a soul. You also, as a born-again believer, have a life-giving spirit within you. The Holy Spirit and God's spirit are one. Sorry, the Holy Spirit and your spirit are one. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says that your spirit and the Holy Spirit are like coterminous, they're intermingled. You, you've got a direct connection to God. And your spirit was created, according to Ephesians, perfectly. There's, nothing, there's no, nothing wrong with your spirit. Your spirit is perfect and designed to respond to God. And it carries the life of God in you. Remember, what one of the things that we learned early on in this series is that God breathed into Adam... And he became a living soul. And now 
God's wanting to breathe into us so we become a living soul. How does that miracle occur? That miracle occurs because the life of God, just like God breathed into Adam, the life of God now is in you, in your spirit. And your spirit carries that life. So we need to connect our soul to that life. And I'm, to show you this, I'm going to kind of quickly go through a number of verses and then see if you can actually work out how you do this. So it's like a, it's like a do-it-yourself sermon this morning. I'm going to read the verses and you're going to try and work out what's, what, what's this actually telling me about how my soul connects to my spirit. And uh, kind of a number of these verses, because it majors on this subject, comes from a really well-known psalm, Psalm 42. And if I tell you that Psalm 42 starts with those words, which uh, we used to, uh, we used to sing this in the 1970s in our youth group, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs and yearns for you. Um, I don't know if there's any better, more modern versions of that, but it was it was kind of cool in the 1970s. Me singing it now, not so cool. <laughs> Cheryl still loves it, and we still love it. Yeah, so. It is, is Psalm 42. It says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs and yearns for you. Your soul is designed to yearn for God. And my soul longs and yearns for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. That's the source of life. He's our source of life. And then we just, I'm just picking random verses from Psalm 42. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. This is kind of really poignant where we've been to. I used to go to church with loads of people, with the multitude. And some of them are still at home and some of them are here. And we haven't been there together for ages. And, but I used to go for church with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. With the voice of joy and praise. Why are you so glum? Well, if you're so gloom, you need to get together with people who are filled with the voice of joy and praise in the house of God. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hoping God, for I shall yet praise him. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. He's not happy, is he? Therefore, what does he do? Therefore, I'm going to sulk. I'm going to be really miserable. I'm going to give you a hard time. I'm going to be really grumpy. And I'm going to throw my toys out the pram. And I'm going to tell everybody else how much he looks at me. No. What he says is, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I'm going to remember you. I'm going to turn my focus to God. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. And in the night, his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Oh, hoping God, for I shall yet praise him. What can you see in all that? What have you heard in all that about how your soul and your spirit connect? How you connect to God? You see, if you, if you look at that passage in, in, in your kind of printed Bible, I don't know about these glitzy online thingies, but it says, 
this was written by somebody or a group of people called the Sons of Korah. People kind of don't really know who the Sons of Korah are, but uh, the, the, the thing is, it's written by the Sons of Korah, plural, but actually it's written in the first person singular, which is a bit odd. And so theologians who know much more about these things because they've got time to study it and I don't, uh, think that this was actually probably written or, or spoken by David and the sons of Korah are the people who wrote it down and, and put the music to it. And uh, they think that because of the nature of what's been said, it was when David was actually in exile. Some people think that that was during Absalom's rebellion, but most people think that David's in exile. He's been pursued by Saul and, and he's in hiding and he's been persecuted by somebody that he's only ever sought to give honor and love to, being Saul. And at this time, David has already been told he's anointed to be king of Israel, and yet it's not happened, and everything's looking bleak for him because the king of the land is trying to kill him. And he's getting pursued by his enemies, and even people from within his own number have been betraying him, speaking lies about him, undermining him. And, and so he, 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 he comes up with this, this psalm. Now, I've got a question for you. If you were David, and you were in that situation, what would you be talking about? What, what would you be saying to people? Because I kind of think, for, I mean, it might just be me. You might just have a really bad pastor. But I kind of think it wouldn't be naturally my first response to write a psalm. It would be my first response to have a moan, have a complaint, tell people how bad it was. And I, and I don't know about you, but if you were getting persecuted, if you're hiding in a cave and you thought you were anointed to be king of Israel and it's just not happening for you and you look like you're going to die, what would you be talking about? What would you be saying? You see, I think we need to grasp a bit about how these biblical men of faith lived. That they believed God's word, even when they couldn't see God's word. And so David's going, well, how, how would I respond to that? How would I respond to that, given the situation that I'm in? And, and what's, really, I, what's really hurting me, and the thing I want to tell you about, and the thing I want to communicate to God about, is that I can't get together with the people of God to worship in the temple of God, because the king is trying to kill me. And if I go there, then everything's going to fall apart. I'm going to die. And that's hurting that I can't get together with the people that I know and love and want to worship with. And, and, and so he's saying that. And you see, he's recognizing something, that there is a link between worshiping corporately and your personal connection between your spirit and your soul, your personal connection in encountering God, that you can't replicate on your own. And, and he uses this word, doesn't he, that it's just pants, isn't it? And I, we, we used to like laugh at that word as teenagers. We used to have like, you know, all sorts of little in-jokes about deers panting for water and 
have, have, have you got your pants today? You know, that sort of thing. And uh, this word that's translated pants, it, it's, a, it's a really strong word and it expresses kind of, I got this from an old commentary, so it's, it's an old word, fervency of desire. Sounds good, doesn't it? Fervency of desire. Uh, but basically the idea is it's the extreme thirst that a deer or something like a deer has when it's been chased by those who are trying to prey on it, those who are trying to kill it, and, and it's run and it's run and it's run and it's at the end of itself and it needs water and it can't find any. And, and that's the word that, that is there. Let's just go on with a few more verses about this link between our soul and our spirit. You, God, this is Psalm 63, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. So there's something we need to do intentionally. We need to seek for God. You know, we can't afford to live passively as believers, not seeking God and just letting life drift along if we want to be and are to be healthy and full of the life of God inside. It just won't work. A, a, this, a passive kind of drifting where, you know, I, I guess people who, who analyse these things call it kind of a nominal Christianity where you call yourself Christian and you go to church on Sunday, but it doesn't make a lot of difference. You're not actively pursuing that relationship with God. It, it doesn't give you the life that you need inside. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. Well, there's no water outside the kingdom, is there, that, that satisfies our thirst. We live in a world of seven, well, let's, let's call it, let's knock off the Christian. We live in a world of five billion unsatisfied people. Deuteronomy 4.29, if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. So our soul needs to seek God. This is what the Lord says. This is Jeremiah 6.16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we're not going to walk in it. I find that's a really interesting passage because basically it's saying there's a generations after generations have learned the path to God and, and learned how you connect to God. But now you've got a new generation that's so full of itself and so confident about itself. He thinks he can do it differently and it'll still work. You think you, think you can neglect the word of God. You think you can... Uh, you can make everything uh, kind of dumb down and require nothing and it'll still work for you. And you're not talking, you're not, you're not discipling people to know how to walk in faith. You're not discipling people to know how to worship from their, the whole of their heart. You're not discipling people in how to connect to the Holy Spirit, to hear the voice of God. You, these are ancient ways. These are ways that people have known from all generations down to our history. And you're saying you won't walk in it because we know better. And, and that's kind of a problem that, that we, we, we can encounter if we take the church too close to the world. Because 
the world is full of self-help stuff. And we're kind of good at developing courses within the body of Christ now that are pretty self-helpy. Whereas what we really need is spirit-helpy. Spirit life-changing. Not a bunch of principles to live our life by. We should actually be well enough grounded in the word of God to know that stuff ourselves. But we need spirit changing. Because that's where the life is. Praise the Lord, all my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. The law of the Lord, the word of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes my soul. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise is fulfilled. Every promise of the new covenant is paid for by Christ. Not one has failed. Here's the point that I'm coming to and I want you to remember. Your deepest need and desire is only ever met when God is your inner fire. Your deepest need and desire is only ever met when God is your inner fire. You know, people talk about wanting to be fulfilled, don't they? Live a meaningful life. It'll only work when God's your fire inside. That's, that's the place of fulfillment. That's the place of wisdom. That's the place of life. That's the place of joy. That's the place of peace. When God is your fire inside. So we connect our soul to our spirit. And, and how do we do that? Well, one big way we do it, we try, we, we've done this morning, and I think that, that's kind of also a little bit of why I was keen to let things run, is I thought, well, it kind of speaks prophetically into what I'm going to talk about. But the, 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 a big way that you can see in all this is people command their souls to connect to God. I grew up as a northerner thinking that if you talk to yourself, then the little men with the straight jacket are going to take you away in the little green van and lock you up. That's what people who talk to themselves get. Then it got really trendy because everybody said, everybody came the power of positive speaking. And I thought, oh, I'm not so crazy. They're not going to take me away. But biblically, it's a massive thing to speak to your soul. Biblically, it's something that we should do. It draws us back to God. We have to remind our own souls of who we are in Christ. Of who our God is and what he is capable of and what he's already given us. Because he's given us everything we need for life and godliness to see us through whatever this world is throwing at us. And we need to talk to our souls and remind our souls of this. Your soul is designed to respond to the word of God. Jesus, that's why Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. The words of God are not just uh, things written on a page or principles to filter down into six steps to this and seven steps to that. The word of God is alive and active in a two-edged sword. It's spirit and life and it gives life. And the only way your soul gets the word is if you speak it to it. You know, we, we've 
had this thing where we've worn face masks. But the, 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 the biggest barrier to your soul being healthy is you're not talking to it. You're not feeding it. You're not giving it life. And here's a basic principle of the word of God. Your praise is better than your problem. Your praise is better than your problem. What do I mean by that? Well, praise is a really important thing in getting your mouth opened. We've okay. There's no men turned up in a little green van yet. We're still doing fine. But your praise is a way of getting your mouth open. But it's also very powerful in doing something else. You see, the faith that you have and, and the, the, the belief you have in your Savior is not just for good times. It's for bad times. The grace that Christ has given us works equally well in good times, bad times, up times, down times, whatever sort of times. Because it's, it's stable, immovable, and eternal. And that means that when we connect to that grace, when we connect to that, we, we can connect to God whatever we're in. Like, da like David was being pursued, he could connect to God still. Even though he couldn't meet as a believer, he could connect to God. And the way he did it is praise. He told his soul to sing. He told his soul to praise. And, and that doesn't mean that we have to feel like we want to do that. We have to recognize, actually, this is the way God connects to us. And we connect to him. You see, um, Peter talks about a lot about that. And I remember talking about earlier in the year that what happens is... In the middle of all this stuff that's going on in your world, I don't know what's going on in your world. Well, I know what's going on in some of your worlds, but not everybody's. But in the middle of all that, here's what God's saying to you. You need to be able to get out of the middle of that to hear me. And he's saying, you need to get focused. Get your head on straight. You know, almost like put your homing instinct on to where God is in this. Get focused. Get your head on straight. And praise gets our head on straight. Praise focuses us on God. Praise speaks to our soul and releases the life of God in our soul. You know, there's so much wisdom there, isn't there? Because when it, it's difficult to focus when you're working through all your own thoughts and all your own problems and all your own concerns. But praise helps you focus on the one in whom you can put your hope in the middle of all those things. The one who has the answers you need right now. So you need to get your focus um, where the answers are instead of where the problems are. And you do that by praising the one who has the answer to the problem. And that's why I say your praise is better than your problem. If you're focusing on your problem and thinking about your problem and trying to work out your problems, you're not drawing on the life that is yours, that will see you through those problems, has the answer to those problems, and has the wisdom for those problems.
And, 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 you know, a really key way we do that is we connect to God through our praise. So don't start with the problem, start with the praise. Here's the second thing that, that you see the, these people doing who are talking to their soul. They're talking the answer and not the problem. So talk the answer, not the problem. Remember I asked you, what would you do if you were that David sat in that cave? Would you talk the answer or would you talk the problem? We often think a problem shared is a problem halved. That is only true if the problem is shared with God. And it's not a problem shared, a problem halved. It's a problem shared, a problem answered. Where you get the wisdom that you need. See, when stuff goes wrong, what comes out of our mouth? And people who encounter, you know, Christians like me will talk about speaking the word and confessing the word and speaking out the promises of God and, and all those sort of things. They think it's a little bit crazy. No, it's biblical. And biblical can be a bit crazy if you don't understand about faith. You see, we're foolishness compared to the world. And sometimes in the body of Christ, we can try and work everything out just according to the world. And so we think things like speaking the word out loud and speaking it over yourself and singing praises over yourself and all that sort of thing. We think that's crazy. And people will, will find all sorts of ways of criticising it. But really what they're saying is, I don't want anything supernatural. I'm quite happy trying to work all this out myself. Well, here's my question. How's that working for you? Because this is biblical. It's biblical that we talk the answer and not the problem. You see, what comes out of our mouth is actually a really good indicator of what we believe. You know, the, the number of, you know, your stories, uh, uh, we've encountered it ourselves, where you somebody will come forward for prayer, you'll pray for them, and almost the first thing that comes out of the mouth to the first person they meet, you know, you might be praying for healing, is, oh, I've had a terrible week, you know, what the doctor said. And they've just come forward for prayer, for healing. We, we need to concentrate on what God has said and the truth of God's word. You see, when you set your mind on believing God, you focus your faith. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. So God directing your path is something you would want, isn't it, in this life? Yeah, we, can we all agree on that? God directing your path is something we'd want. So how does that happen that triggers something that makes it a reality inside of you? You know when people talk about, well, I need to get it out of my head into my heart. How does that happen? I know, I know we talk about it a lot, but how does it happen? My words are spirit and life. It happens by connecting your spirit to your soul. That's how it happens. People go, oh, it's a light bulb moment. It's a revelation moment. No, it's your spirit connecting to your soul. It's the, the spirit and life in the word of God giving spirit and life to you. 
That's how it happens. And so we, we speak the answer, not the problem. What does that mean? Well, you need to hear the word of God. Remember, there was those people who the gospel was preached to them as well as to us, but it didn't profit them. So they heard the word of God. So you need to hear the word of God, but then you need to trust in the one who spoke what you hear, God himself. You need to put your faith in it. And the system of the kingdom, if you can kind of call it a system, works like this. God's provision is grace. What Christ paid for, the new covenant that we have with the promises and the blessings of the new covenant, that's grace. You can't do anything about grace. It just is. Jesus has paid for it fully for you. It's your inheritance. But it's received, how? Through faith. That means trusting God and in those promises, living your life based on those. So if we understand that, how do you, how do you get from where you are now to that place where you can actually live like that? You speak the answer, the promises of God, the covenant faithfulness of God, the love of God over your life to others. Speak it to your soul and not the problem. How does that help? I'm trying to do this slowly so you, you kind of get it. Paul tells us faith comes how? By hearing. And hearing the word of God or the word about God. So faith comes by hearing. Who is, where's the easiest source for you to hear things from? Your own mouth. Because you can switch it on and off as much as you like. And some of us thinking, well, I kind of wish it was switched off now. You know, you can switch your own mouth on and off. If you speak the word of God and you proclaim the promises of God, it switches something inside of you, that spirit in life that the word carries, switches something inside of you so your spirit connects with your soul and faith is the product. Remember, faith is a fruit of the spirit. Faith comes from your spirit, not from your head. Logic comes from your head. And your head's a mess. Your head's been a mess since you went to school the first day and people started talking stuff that's not God. So faith comes out of your spirit as your spirit responds to the word of God. So you took the answer and not the problem. I'll just finish with this, this kind of story. Um, years ago, when I, I first came to Cambridge, by the way, we, we, don't, we didn't want to come to Cambridge. I'm, I, I've not modified my accent in any way whatsoever as a result of moving here 20 years ago. I don't intend to. I still love the land of rain and snow and cold and damp and grey buildings and all that sort of stuff. I'm still a northerner. And we didn't want to come to Cambridge. And basically, I was asked to come to sort out a business down here as kind of a, a route to going on and doing something else three years later. And we, we prayed about it. We had a fantastic church there. We were loving our life there. We uh, had, uh, you know, our, our children. We were little. And 
basically we didn't want to move. And um, in the end, having sought God on it, and despite the fact that Cheryl had spent like 18 months telling God what his answer was going to be, which was we're not moving, the only thing we got from God was honour your contract. So I came. And coming involved me uh, giving up uh, all my clients that I'd been built up for years in, in Manchester and in the Northwest, big client base, giving them for free to a new partner who'd had to do nothing to get them and coming down here and having an empty desk and starting all over again. And I wasn't, I was, I'm thinking, that's not, that's really not how I planned this working, God. But I came and I'm sitting in this hotel room, I, I, you know, before I managed to get a flat, I spent several weeks living at what's now the Doubletree. And, you know, it might sound glamorous living in a hotel. It's not. You just get fat and eat a lot of bacon. Um, but I'm there and I'm, I'm doing the, 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 the good thing that you would all be proud of me. I'm reading my Bible before I go to work. And I'm reading this passage at start two Corinthians. And it says, um, the comfort by which you've been comforted, you'll also comfort others. And I'm thinking, oh, that's a really nice, nice little thing, isn't it? And it, right off in my spirit, it came. You're going to need that later today. Okay, what do you mean? So, here's, I, I was a bit more holy then than I am now. I think I, I think I backslid in a bit. But I thought, oh, I'll, on the way to work, I'll walk to work from the double tray to Station Road, and I'll pray all the way. So I prayed, and I'm declaring the word of God over me, and saying, you've said this, God, what does it mean? And I got there to find out Basically, somebody came to see me from, from the London office and said, all the plans have changed. Now you've moved down here. All the plans have that we, we got you to move down for, we've changed our minds. And, and that's not going to happen now. And I'm thinking, I gave all my clients up. I've got, I've got this disgruntled wife who's, who's telling God off at home. How do I go home? And God just dropped in my spirit, the comfort that you've been comforted with, you'll use to comfort others. And I'm going, okay, God, I'm going to hang on to that. Because that means that you're here right now comforting me. You've got a plan. You're going to work it out. And that plan's going to be for your glory. And that's going to bless some others. So what I did for the next X number of weeks while all this worked itself out and whilst I, I was persecuted at weekends as I went home back to the north because Cheryl hadn't moved down there then. And, and the kids are going, don't go, daddy. And all those sort of things. Well, Jess was going, don't go, daddy. Matt was going, fix my action, man, you know. He's, he's, he's more mercenary than Jess. And I'm, I'm doing all those things, but I'm, I'm praying. I'm speaking the words of God. And he said, God, you're my vindicator. God, you're the one that said you bless me. You're my provider. You're the one that's got, got a plan here. You know what's coming. You told me to honor my contract. You, told, you gave me that verse that I would be comforted so that I would comfort others. So right now, Lord, I'm taking comfort in you. Right now, Lord, I'm proclaiming your blessings, that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm the top and not the bottom. That, that whilst things might fall apart around me, I'm, I'm going to be protected and looked after by you. That you are going to prosper me. That you have all I need for life and godliness. That you are the one who, um, according to your riches, meets every one of my needs. 
that you aren't uh, defined by a locality where I live, but you are the God who is everywhere, the omnipotent, the omnipresent God. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you that you are right here with me now. You promised to be with me always to the ends of the earth. And Cambridge right now feels like the ends of the earth, but I'm glad you're here with me, God. And I'm going to praise you and I'm going to... I'm going to glorify you and you're going to be glorified in my life. And if people see nothing else in the middle of this, where I've just like given up everything to move down here and it's all gone poo, God, you will be glorified. Amen. And off I went to work. Do you know what? Life came. Life life-sustaining life. Now, I look back and that was 20 years ago. Was I blessed? I was hugely blessed. Did I prosper? Yes. Did I want it to work like that? Absolutely not. But God keeps his promises. And when faith rises as a result of his speaking promises, brings into effect our covenant life that is ours. He is a great God. He's a glorious God. He's a God of the good times. He's the God of the bad times. He's the God of the up times. He's the God of the down times. He's the God of I feel great about things. I'm really down in the dumps about things. He's the God who is immovable, never moves, but always flows in compassion and always loves you. And he's the God you need to connect with. The God who fills your life. Amen. Can we uh, finish with worship? We might as well finish with worship. Let's stand. Let's give him some praise. You know, you can do that now. You can praise God. You can shout. You can do all those things we haven't been able to do for years. Here's the best thing. You can talk to yourself without a mask on. You can talk to your soul without a mask on. You can proclaim the glories of God. Amen.